0: Thanks for joining us on Community Matters on 95.3 WBCK Saturdays between 8 and 8.30, powered by Lakeview Ford Lincoln in downtown Battle Creek. You can also hear us at battlecreekpodcast.com. So if you've missed an episode, just look back there and have a listen anytime you wish. I'm Richard Pyatt. Today, we're chatting with Jeannie Goodrich, CEO at Summit Point. Hi, Jeannie.
1: Good morning, Richard. It's nice to be here today.
0: It's nice to see you. We haven't spoken on the radio probably uh, five or six years. There's been a lot that has taken place at Summit Point since then. I suppose the top of the list is First Step the urgent care behavioral health center that you've opened in the time since we've spoken last. What an achievement.
1: Yeah, and it has been quite an achievement too. Um, We opened the center in March of 2021. We are just over 5,000 patients. That exceeds everything I expected for the first year, for sure. We have learned a lot. We Uh, continue to analyze our processes. We've always provided crisis type services during the day and at night, but this is a different model, if you will. So from a community perspective, it's more, I don't have to wait until I have a crisis to call. I don't have to figure out if I'm in crisis. I can just walk in. If I have a concern, I walk in. So it's really evolved. Um, what we thought we would see coming in the door is not actually the community residents that we are seeing. So it's a little different. We are really trying to figure out how to create a space where people don't get frustrated with us and leave. And so, really, you know, trying to make sure that we are providing a, a, a great service and. When I say that, I guess as a CEO, I monitor the people who walk in and don't get a service. And so I'm really focused on why someone may have not received that service. And so that's where I focus my time on. To make sure that we are really being the open door, the first line of defense, the low barrier, if you will, for anyone experiencing a behavioral health concern. So regardless of time of day, night, whatever that is, please, please call us and please come in.
0: That intrigues me. The the notion that someone might have come in and then left. What surrounds that most often, would you say?
1: Depending on when you come in, you may have quite a few people. It is like an urgent care, if you will, in that you're seen as not necessarily scheduled. So walk in. So you may walk in and there may be several people there. So that means that I need to look at our triage process. So how can we triage people differently so that people who come in that may be in a higher level of acuity are seen first? So You know, it's like when you walk into the ED and your arm's broken, you're going to be seen differently than if you're taken in by an ambulance. So how do we look at those triage? Um, Not necessarily the person that came in first gets seen. So, you know, we've spent some time looking at that triage. We've also had times when we've had to refer people out and people get frustrated because we're not able to provide them that service. It's a Saturday night referral places and open? How do we keep that together enough so that somebody feels safe? They feel like they've received a great service. And yet on Monday, there is that follow up. How do we crisis plan people from Saturday night to Monday morning? And how do we help people feel safe? Yes, they can come back. But more importantly, what's that phone call on Monday morning like to the referral agency?
0: So the, the perspective then could be you can confirm this or not, when you're dealing with those kinds of questions and that kind of analysis, you're saying, hey, we're doing what we intended to do. We're bringing people in who need help. True?
1: Yeah. So people who are in some need of help are coming in, which is great. When I opened the center, I thought that the level of acuity that we were going to see was going to be much higher, right? So higher level of acuity, how do we screen people, get them over to the emergency department, quickly getting them into an inpatient or, you know, helping with people who may be going to the emergency department, but need a medication adjustment and there are already open to us. So how can Can we see them differently? And what we're actually seeing are people who are coming in the door who would like a traditional outpatient therapy. And so we are referring them. We can refer them to us. Right. So but we also have other referral agencies and referral sources in town that we're trying to refer people out to. If somebody's coming in and we think they need medication, they're not on medication right now, the best level of defense for that first time prescriptions is generally a primary care physician. So we try to connect them back with their primary care physician and not using a psychiatrist. So it's just a different level of acuity that's coming in. And so we're really taking a few minutes to look at our processes and making sure that we cue them up correctly, if you will.
0: Right. It's interesting what you said as well, that you've been doing this kind of work all along. However, the first step urgent care has packaged it, I suppose, or presented it in a way that uh, allows perhaps The general public to understand better what kind of opportunity there is for assistance and as you said they don't have to wait and maybe they don't have to think about whether or not it is an urgent situation they can come in and ask for some perspective on that right
1: yeah i think in the past many people called us for that intake appointment when we first started this program i said what i'm trying to really impact is the person who calls us on the phone They get an appointment in two weeks, and then they wait the two weeks before they talk to anybody, and then that two weeks is, oh, I'm going to come back in another two weeks to see somebody, and oh, you need to see a psychiatrist. That's another three months. So that's what I was really trying to impact when we started these whole conversations about how can we do this differently. So the people that are calling likely were more of the lower acuity And we have managed to get them coming in through the door, but now we see this different presentation. So it's not necessarily uh, waiting for an appointment. And we had a really low engagement rate, so a really high no-show rate for that first appointment. So what we're learning is that when someone experiences a behavioral health crisis, the sooner they can get in and speak to somebody, the more likely they are to show up and the more likely they are to continue their treatment. I'm really putting a lot of pressure on our front door and I'm putting a lot of pressure on our systems. But I knew that when we started this program that there was going to be that tension.
0: But it it comes with the territory, right? If you're trying to be more effective about response rates and offering the services and, and directing to the services that someone needs, this was the goal. And I presume you've seen the results already.
1: Right, and we started this because community needs assessments for you know, two times in a row and they do them every three years through the hospital systems, behavioral health needs, mental health needs, substance use disorder needs. They they rose, they were on the top 10 list. They rose to the top one. You know, it, it, that need is so present in our community. And so when I saw the need and then I coupled this with, okay, let's get people just through the door. Let's stop having these phone calls and this wait It's not surprising, but um, it does put a lot of tension on the system.
0: We talked with Chief Blocker not long ago, and he was quite frank about the calls for service they see and the connection to issues of mental health that are related to those calls. And he says, hey, folks, we have a societal problem we're going to have to address sooner or later. And by the way, that problem has been compounding or evolving over a number of years. He certainly tipped his hat to a first step and summit point as a tremendous assistance for his officers in the field, but he said this has to change. Do you see that the same way that this has been a problem that has been evolving, and it's it's compounding now?
1: Well, I mean, I think like a lot of things after after COVID, right? We're seeing a large increase in any kind of behavioral health, and why not, right? People are isolated kids were home, not going to school, it's going to lead to a lot more mental health issues. And so we're kind of seeing that from that level also. I'm going to tip my hat back to Chief Blocker because this uh, First Step Urgent Care Center is an outcome of um, our crisis intervention team training. So many years ago, Chief Blocker and I spearheaded the CIT training and some of the things that were coming up with CIT is I don't have anywhere to take anyone other than to jail, right, uh-huh. or other than to the emergency department. And so First Step was kind of created to be that in-between place. So they don't need to go to jail. They don't need to go to the emergency department, but they surely... Can't just sit on the street or they can't be in a home because that just means a return visit by the police officer. So, this is really an outcome of the crisis intervention trainings that we've been doing and a lot of that work that we've been doing collectively with, and not only uh, BCPD, but all the law enforcement agencies here in Calhoun County.
0: If this is a situation uh, where uh, there has to be another option for, law enforcement when they encounter these situations. Certainly, Chief Blocker talked about that, what you just alluded to. You know, the option used to be just jail, and to some extent it still is. What is an option that you've seen discussed and maybe a model? Is there anything out there that's on the cutting edge that's been discussed to help try to alleviate this jail option when mental health is at the center?
1: I hear about it a lot, right? We hear a lot of different models yeah, Chief and I have had a lot of conversations. I've had conversations with Sheriff Hinckley about different models. You know, at the end of the day, it's really the local solution. Personally, that's why I like the CIT model itself because they give you a basis of a model, but then you can take your local solutions and integrate that in and really create some synergy between law enforcement and mental health providers. And so I think it's the same. I think that jail model. We're just going to keep trying to attack it and approach it in different interventions. We're coming off of some community county allocated ARPA funding. Uh, The county commissioners gave us a year of trialing a jail team. So we have a person inside the jail that is helping identify when someone comes into the jail, how can we help them once they are Uh, released. And so then I have two other members of a team that pick them up after they're released and we work with them. And so we've been trialing that for the last year with some really good results. And what Mm -hmm. we're trying to do with that model is to stop the recidivism within the jail system and allow people to get the proper treatment upon release. And we've seen some great success with that. And we are going to continue that programming as well.
0: I'll take this opportunity to say this. We've done a terrific series of podcast episodes focusing on so many different programs at Summit Point. I will link that in the show notes for this episode at battlecreekpodcast.com. One of them was the CIT, Crisis Intervention Team, uh, Focus. We did talk about that and the kind of... uh, A focus that that intends to have and obviously is having. So folks can learn more with that and learn more about what you're doing. I would just add to that. uh, I, even after three years on the radio talking to you fairly regularly and feeling somewhat acquainted with the things you were doing, I had no idea how extensive the programs at Summit Point are until we did this podcast series and I began to talk to people who are really working in these programs directly and so passionate about it. So I really recommend uh, folks have a listen to that Summit Point podcast. So it'll be linked in the show notes at battlecreekpodcast.com if you want to uh, check that out. So College Street is the, the first step location. It's now become quite well known as being there. Would you say that's true, Jeannie?
1: I would. We are um, on College Street. First step is on the south side of the building. The north side, we will be occupying and becoming our main medication management location. So really our main clinic for the psychiatry portion of our programming. And we're really excited to see that being combined into one location. People don't have to remember which location they go to for their medication needs. It's only going to be one. That'll be great. We are down the road from Grace. Right, in, right up the road from Bronson. I mean, it is a really nice location to be in and we are excited to move over to the College Street location.
0: All right. Well, congratulations on all the success that you've had and uh, let's check back in before long.
1: Thank you, Richard. It was great catching up today.
0: Jeannie Goodrich, CEO at Summit Point on Community Matters.